0: Welcome everybody to Hear Her Sports. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Elizabeth Emery. My guest this week is rower Sophie Calabrese. She visited the Hear Her Sports mini recording studio this summer just after winning a gold medal in the quad skull at the Canamex Regatta in Mexico City. This was a particularly great win because the American team hadn't won for six years. Last week, she returned to the studio primarily to finish our discussion about how recruiting works. Sophie is a high school senior and she shares details about her college selection process. She recently signed with her top choice, the University of Texas in Austin. We also talk about training, the intensity of seat racing, coaching herself, backwards treadmilling, how music and sports relate, the head of the Charles, and not losing. This is an excellent episode to share with high school athletes or their parents, with rowers and athletes that just need a little extra motivation to get a bit more from their sport. Sophie loves being competitive, loves being an athlete, and is pursuing elite rowing with real smarts. For those of you who listen all the way through the closing, you'll know that I sometimes sneak in an outtake. This time, there's an extra training idea from Sophie. Well, let's get to it. Welcome, Sophie, to Hear Her Sports. Thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, no problem, thank you for having me.
0: So you just won something very big. Can you talk about that and tell us what it is?
1: Yeah, um, I was recently like, I think two two weeks ago, three weeks ago, in Mexico City, participating in the Canamex Regatta that happens every summer. It's like the um, lower tier of the junior national team. And I competed in the American Quad, and we won the Quad event. <laughs> it, was, it was really awesome.
0: I understand that uh, that was the first time it happened in a really long time.
1: Yeah, I think it was last time it happened was 2011. It's only happened twice before. So it was, it was a really good win. <laughs> S- super exciting. Yeah. yeah.
0: You said it was the lower tier. I was reading on the the U.S. rowing website, and I didn't really understand sort of the qualifications and how that all worked. And like, what's next for you?
1: Um, well, how there's the whole camp system, which I'm sure that you read about. I was invited to the high performance camp which is the middle tier. There's a development camp, which is the lowest one. That's like under 17 uh, rowers go there to like get in the system and like work on their skills, see if they're coachable. Um, and then the next level athletes are U18, under 18. They're invited to high-performance camp where they actually like get to compete at club nationals. And then selection camp are people who are under 19 who are prospects for the junior national team to compete in the boats there and then for canamex how it works it's kind of like in between high performance and selection usually i think it's like the the higher end of high performance gets selected for canamex obviously through lots of seat racing and stuff like that and like um some of the people that aren't selected for the the junior national team are selected for canamex down from selection so yeah
0: the selection process seems so intense and yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it it is. Um it's I think it's really I think it's especially intense because I really come from not a very competitive team and like we do no seat racing at all. Like I didn't even know how to do it and then like I came into camp and they were like, All right, we're gonna be doing seat racing like every day and I it was it was, <laughs> it was I was very intimidated by it at first. There was this one day where I competed and we had rowed twice a day and I had seat racing both in the morning and the afternoon. It was very tiring.
0: Can you explain how seat racing works?
1: Yeah. So there's standard seat racing and then they did matrix seat racing there. So matrix seat racing is where they row every possible combination of the boat. For example, I was in a doubles matrix, which is where there were three doubles. We were, There were the six of us um, that were being considered for the Canamex quad and we had to do six 1250 meter races because there were six combinations between the three boats and we would race, switch the lineups in between the boats, then race again then switch and et cetera. (laughs) And then the other seat racing is like where you just switch one or two people out of like a, a, a boat.
0: It's sort of hard to explain with rowing that it's not simply how strong you are, yeah. But there's all this other stuff that is involved. Yeah. Are you aware of that? I mean, how do you how do you approach <laughs> that? I mean, like when you get in that seat racing, what are you thinking about? What are you trying to do?
1: Um, I mean, I was like really like just. I had to jump into sea racing. I don't really have like much strategies. Like I tried to like find articles online and stuff about that. Like try to get as much as I could. It's like a leg up because everybody else or a lot of people there are from competitive clubs where they do this every day. Um, so I was just thinking like, I, all right, this is it. I really, I really want to go to Mexico. Like, I just like, I, r- I really want to, like, it seems so fun. And so I just told myself every time I switched into a boat or like if I stayed and the lineup was new, I was like, all right, we're gonna talk to each other, we're gonna communicate and we're gonna really push together and like, we we both want this, we all want this, just go after it.
0: You said that you weren't from a competitive club. Are you personally competitive? Do you like competition?
1: <laughs> I love competition. I was always that kid in gym class that took it seriously every day in middle school and I think that there are a few people on my team who are like that, but for the most part, I think I am.
0: So what do you like about competition?
1: I don't know. I don't know if it's whether I hate hate losing or if I love winning because winning is really great, but losing is just the worst. Um, I don't know what it is about competition. Just that feeling of, like, I love just, like, I think ever since I was little, like, my kindergarten teacher was like, oh, yeah, she loves using her body. She's going to be a great athlete and i've I've, i know that i've always wanted to be an athlete and i think that competition is just like the perfect like just like sports is like the perfect combination of competition and physical exertion i don't know
0: i think it's so interesting i often i often ask athletes you know do they like competition or do they like training and there's definitely a divide you know (laughs) like some people really like competition and some people just they really like being physical so you obviously fall into the competition category. When you won that quad race, I mean, is it satisfying to you? Or do you are you already looking for the next race? Or like, what's, what's your emotions when you won?
1: Um, it was both the longest and the shortest race of my life. I, I'm from a scholastic team. So we usually race 1500 meters. This was a 2000 meter race. So it, I think it was the fourth 2000 meter race I've ever done on the water. So it's a little bit different. But i th- it was both the most fun race I've ever had and the most painful experience of my entire life, but it was just so much fun um, I think, as a boat, like I could tell that we were all like like elated after the race, like we were just really like as tired as we were. we were like really energized by the wind. like I was personally like I was over the moon i it was uh, <laughs> um, but I think like as we were putting the boat away, I was like, all right, I wanna do this for the junior national team. Like I, I can go after it, I, I wanna do it.
0: So what, wh- how do you have to get there? Like what's the next step?
1: Um, so a lot of what they told us at HP camp and especially in Canamex was that a lot of us were of age to be um, invited to selection and be on the junior national team next year. So what HP and Canamex are like, they're providing us a platform to race at a somewhat higher level in preparation for junior national team. So, a lot of us, they said they are, are on the track to be on the junior national team next year. Uh, or not on the junior national team, yeah. but as part of selection camp to have a chance at a spot. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really. But it's just
0: nice that they, I mean, they're recognizing you. You yeah. have this great win. Yeah. You know, they're obviously talking to you. It's, it's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah. So, what I have to do this next year is obviously train as hard as I can, like get as fast as I can. Um, but I also have to stay in contact with the coaches that from camp, like they told us to like send them 2k updates, um, because a lot of the invites are like based off of race results and 2k times. Cause like everything's based off of how fast you can row a 2000 meter race and go to an ID camp. There's actually an ID camp here in, in Cleveland in February, um, which I've done the past three years to like get an invite to one of the camps. So, yeah.
0: Let's talk numbers. What's your 2K time?
1: Um, I'm at a 7.13 point something. I don't really remember. (laughs) It's fast. Yeah.
0: So what kind of training are you doing? And let's go through the whole variety on the water, off the water, cross training, like what you're going to do at the end of this season, you know, that whole bit.
1: Um, So what I did this past year, junior year, um, and what I hope to replicate in a senior year is – so I guess going through a day I would I signed up for a weight training class before school, partly to help with my rowing, but also to like help prepare for the college rowing schedule because I wanna row for D one college and um their program's a lot more intense than mine. So I figured like waking up at five thirty every day to go in and before school and work out and then work out again after school as part of practice is like really gonna help for junior year and senior year. Like if I do that for two years That's, like, a pretty good um, replication of what it can kind of feel like. So I would get up at 530. I would go do weight training for, like, an hour before school starts, consisting of, like, arms and upper body Monday. Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays were, like, muscular endurance. Wednesdays, lower body slash full body, and Fridays were game days.
0: And are you doing that on your own, or or do you have advisement?
1: it's an actual class oh, okay. so there's like a a coach there like helps with helps us with form and stuff so is it, it through school yeah it's through the school it's really nice i get p.e credits so <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and then go through the school day and then we'd have practice down at the boathouse at 4 30. if i'm in the team boat i'm going to be in the four that we went to scholastic nationals um but if i'm not in the four i would go out in the single which i also race and do pretty well in um I don't have a sculling coach really. I've had like touch and go coaching really. So a lot of my practice in the single is like by myself, like alone, like trying to um, work on, like I think I have pretty good body awareness. So it's a lot of self coaching.
0: And so for the team, are you doing only sweep? Or are you doing sculling? No, my team doesn't scull okay.
1: really. Um, I'm just in the four. Okay.
0: I gather that your preferred is the sculling. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, sweeping's fine, but sculling's great.
0: So what do you like about the sculling?
1: I like that it's not one-sided. I feel like people who, like, sweep for a while, like, in college, I'm sure I'm going to get very, like, lopsided. Um, I like how even sculling is, and I like how less muscle-bound it is. Like, it's a lot about – it's. there's a lot more emphasis on technique rather than just, like, hammering away at it as there isn't sweep. I think it's definitely different. I haven't been in a Cox boat for a little bit now, but, um, like – Well, when I wasn't, so for example, freshman year, I was in the junior four from our team. I went to Scholastic Nationals. I was two seat and I was able to just like zone out during races. Like I couldn't tell you what happened during half of the races. Like I don't remember them at all. But then the next year I was switched to the stroke of the boat. And ever since then, I remember like every second, like I've just had to like stay like attuned to it and like pay attention And it's a lot like that in smaller boats and sculling boats and the single, the quad too. Like I was two seat in the quad and I had to make all the calls like during the race. So especially like I had to really like focus in on that.
0: Is that typical that the two seat makes the calls?
1: I think so. I think it's really whatever the crew decides or like decides on, but I think it's mostly.
0: So what are the roles of the four people?
1: So bow is to like steer and sometimes makes calls if like that's what the lineup is. Two seat make calls generally. The four-seat stroke is to like set the pace and three seats just like not mess up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Your quad that yeah. won, did you feel that you meshed right away and that you were a good team right away? Cause I know that's so important rowing.
1: Yeah, um, I think we did a pretty good job of meshing right away. Like um, there's this one morning when the four of us were invited down to a morning practice over at HP camp with Selection. The four of us from HP and the four of us from Selection Um, And they told us they were going to put us in two quads to, like, look at the age-eligible Canamex for sculling. And they weren't really race pieces, but they were kind of race pieces because they were, like, minute on, minute off, you know. Um, And we, our four, our quad, always beat the selection quad. And, like, suddenly we were being looked at. So I think that we did a pretty good job of meshing together. And, like, obviously um, it paid off, I think. Right. Nice.
0: So let's go back to training. So you're so you're doing the weight training. You're doing on the boat training. And yeah. then, so what happens in the winter?
1: In the winter, we switch to since the winter here in Cleveland is pretty long we, and there are cold water rules. Um, right. We switch to erging in the winter, just like all winter long. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and here's a big question about sculling in Cleveland. You mentioned Cleveland. Yeah. The winters are bad. The river is. Oh. <laughs>
1: The river's bad.
0: (laughs) The river's bad. So talk a little bit about the river and follow that up with how did you end up choosing sculling? Because that's probably the worst for that river.
1: Yeah. So I would say there's not even 500 meters of a straight stretch on the river. When I started sculling in the single, it was partly out of necessity because my team doesn't get the best results. And I wanted to get good results for stuff like the junior national team and college And also I really like sculling and singles I think are pretty fun to race. So that's why I switched to it, not switched to it, added it. And when I first started sculling on this river, it was, I had to row with a sculling mirror, which like nobody else I know from any part of the country has to do. Um, So that took a long time to get used to like seeing what's behind you as well as like focusing on technique, power, the piece, all of that. So the turning on the river is just a nightmare. And then when you add in like the boat traffic from especially Ignatius because they're a big team and all the other teams like WRA and then the freighters, which are like moving buildings on the river and you have to pull off to the side and then wait for them to pass. And if you're in a small boat, you could get sucked in. and Yeah, it's just (laughs) it's great.
0: (laughs) You'll have a lot of skills when you get off of it. Oh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Have have you done other sports?
1: Yeah, um, in so ever since, I like I guess my kindergarten teacher was like she wants to use her body. I was like, yeah, you're right. Like I know I want to be an athlete, so I tried. I started like all these summer camps, like from like first grade to middle school, or I guess fifth grade. I tried all these summer camps. I tried everything like volleyball, basketball, soccer. I used to fence for a while. Um, I even tried golf. Not a fan, but. I think my next most serious sport was soccer. And then in the summer between fifth and sixth grade, I found a two-week summer camp actually hosted by St. Ignatius. Um That was really, I was like, oh, rowing, that looks really cool. I want to try it. That's like the one sport I haven't done yet. And so I tried it, and like the first day I fell in love, we weren't even on the water, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. Like, I want to keep doing this. And so I found a way to keep rowing, like, just three times a week. It was recreational, but through uh, another year long, like during the school year camp.
0: So what was it about rowing that you knew right away?
1: (sighs) I don't even know. Whenever somebody asks me like why I love rowing so much, I can't, I don't even know why. I mean, I guess I know why, but I can't really put it into words. It's just something about it. It's just magical. I don't know. I think it's that pursuit of like the perfect stroke that you get like maybe once and then you just keep trying to replicate it. Plus the, add the competition. Like I love competition, so yeah cool
0: and you are going to continue in college do you have schools in mind
1: yeah I'm in the middle of the recruiting process right now I'm talking to a few schools um hopefully get a deal (laughs) (laughs) closed up soon
0: how does recruiting work
1: um so you like if you have a recruiting profile then colleges and coaches can like look at it look at your stats you can put your race results on there like how tall you are how much you weigh all that and like they can reach out to you or um, you can reach out to them and be like, hey, I'm really interested in your school. And then a lot of the time, like, you set up a call and ask each other questions and then go on maybe on an unofficial visit. And then as it progresses, like, then I move to official visits, which I'm in the middle of scheduling right now. And then um, a school will hopefully make a deal or recruit you.
0: How are you going to balance the training of you know, of a D1 school sports program and school?
1: I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, I I know that D1 programs have a limit on how many hours they can keep you, but everybody has loopholes or ways around it, like, not including the warm-up. Like, you have to do that on your own. Like, it's recommended um so everybody has their little ways but for the most part it's like 20 hours a week and i think that not having like not being button seat in school for like eight hours or seven hours a day will really help with that like having only like one or two classes a day and then going to practice Mm
0: -hmm. what are you going to study
1: um i'm thinking about thinking really strongly about going into music performance actually and then as a backup um sports medicine
0: Mm. and what instrument or what (laughs) (laughs) Or voice or...
1: Um, I play French horn. Oh. Yeah.
0: And after school?
1: If I go into music performance, then hopefully get into a conservatory for grad school and then just audition around. Mm -hmm.
0: And how long do you want to stay involved in rowing?
1: As long as possible. I mean, at this point, like, it's become such a part of me and I love it so much.
0: And what do your friends think about you rowing?
1: Um, A lot of my friends are on the team, actually, but my friends who aren't think... I'm a badass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And and do they appreciate your interest in, you know, like going to the world championships and things like that?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of my friends are like really supportive of it. Like they're like, oh, I'm going to go there with you. Like I'm going to get tickets like when you're in the Olympics. I'm going to be there. Just let me know and like all that.
0: Are Olympics in your hopes?
1: Um, as far as I can see right now, they're a dream. But I think... Like the farthest I can say I know I wanna do is U23s, but we'll see from there. <laughs> right,
0: right. I don't know, what are you expecting for this coming year?
1: My goals, um, I'm preparing for the head of the Charles if I get a bid in for the single. I raced the single last fall and I got seventh, um, which is pretty good, but um, I think I can do a little bit better. <laughs> so I'm putting in another bid. That'll be the big regard of the fall if I get in. And then winter, I'm gonna train my butt off. <laughs> Because my goal by the end of the year, the school year, is to be either sub-seven or as close to sub-seven k as I can get. And then hopefully an invite to selection camp. And then training for Midwest, which is the qualifying regatta for Classic Nationals.
0: What do you need to work on?
1: Um, <laughs> a lot of things. Um, I think I need to... The biggest thing is work on my catches. Like, the coach for the quad said something that really resonated with me it was there is no such thing as a late catch just an unprepared one and I think that's going to be the basis for a lot of my technique work for the coming months.
0: And what are you really good at?
1: I think I'm good at just like going at it. I think I'm a pretty strong person um so I think I'm just like really good I have a good mindset I think so I like really good at just like racing.
0: Does defeat get you down?
1: Um it does, because I really don't like to lose. <laughs> I, I don't like, some people on my team, like I was in a boat, we didn't get like top five or whatever, it was fall season, it was like a head race. We didn't do very well and they were like, oh, that's, that's okay, I was like, what are you talking about? No, it's not, like we have to, be, like, we have to do better, like we always do.
0: <laughs> How do you manage uh, defeat? I mean, like what, what happens, like in this case, what happened next?
1: Um, I thought about the race, how I could have done better and how we could have done better as a boat. And like, um, it's not really in my power to tell the boat what they need to fix, but I, f- like, I just really focused on like what I needed to do, like whether that was mental toughness or like it was a sweep boats, like my sweep technique, which is not as good as my sculling. Yeah. Just like working on that, like every practice, I tried to like keep what I needed to work on in my mind and like work on. It.
0: Since you're doing both a single and team boats, mm-hmm. like how do you how would you compare the two for you personally? Like your yeah your relationship to being alone out there versus being with other people.
1: Um, being alone is definitely more of a struggle. Um, you feel everything even more because it's just you moving the boat. Every mistake is your fault because you're the only person in the boat, and you don't even you don't have a coxswain. I think that's the biggest advantage to a team boat. I really appreciate having a cox like, someone yelling at you. Otherwise, the silence is just, like, really unbearable, especially with all the pain of the race.
0: Do you like rowing with a team? Do I lo- do,
1: yeah. yeah. I, I, I enjoy team boats. Like, I'm excited in college to be in team boats. But at the same time, I really enjoy the single.
0: Will you race both in college?
1: Um, I know that a lot of, like, the majority of colleges don't race sculling boats. But I know... The ones I'm interested in, like, they train in them, like, they train in small boats. I think a lot of colleges are starting to do that more.
0: Hmm. Interesting. And do you have role models?
1: Um, (laughs) I think that I don't really ever think about if I have role models. I have, like, just, like, like, whatever, like, whoever's being highlighted at the moment, like, on the daily Instagram posts, like, especially with U23s, like, there are occurring names that like I recognize I guess like Jevy Stone like Emily callfels um I think it's people like that who like really work like really work hard and know what they want, and like they're single scholars they're small boat people, and I really think that they resonate with me.
0: anybody outside of sports that you think about all that
1: I think my mom because she um She became certified to, like, take me out on the water, which is how I'm able to go out in the single. She doesn't know the first thing about rowing. Like, I was the one who got her into erging and all that. So she's the one who takes me out when, like, I can't go with the team because I'm not in the boat or whatever, for whatever reason. So even though she's not a coach, like, I'm able to, like, go out and practice. And, like, my success is because of her.
0: That's nice. So she's getting up at 530 in the morning.
1: Um, yeah, sometimes we'll go before school, like, down on the water, not just to weightlift. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Wow. Are you weightlifting at at the boathouse?
1: No, um, the weight training class is at the school. Oh. There's um a weight room in the basement where our groom is. It's the worst. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you like weightlifting?
1: Yeah, I do. I'm a big fan. Are you? <laughs> yeah. That's, How come? I don't know. I just, I just like, like, sports and, like, physical exertion. I don't know. I just really like it.
0: What gets you all fired up like what's really important to you
1: i really think like i've know i've I've brought this up a lot but like the thought of like not losing that's like what really like gets me into the zone like like listening to music um like everybody has their pre-game or pre-race routine everybody's different like they require a different amount of like interaction with each other like being relaxed or like being serious and all that Mine usually involves, like, listening to music, um, being pretty relaxed and, like, loose and, like, joking around with everybody. But when I get in the boat to warm up, to go up to the start of the race, and it's down to business and, like, focused in.
0: Is there anything else that's important to you?
1: Um, Just rowing and music, mm-hmm. pretty much. That's my life. <laughs> like, my two extracurriculars. Like, I know a ton of people that are, like, 50 different things they're doing outside of school, and I just have the two, but they take up a lot of time.
0: How did you manage to figure out those two things? I mean, you're <laughs> young.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I was lucky, and I was able to, like, figure them both out pretty early. Like, um, I go to Shaker Heights High School, and, like, the Shaker school system requires everybody to start learning an instrument or, like, voice choir in fifth grade. So <laughs> I actually have a pretty funny story about how I picked the French horn. Uh, so they had like an instrument demo day where like we all got to see them and like try them and they were like, go home, tell your parents what you want, come back with a form and we'll get you an instrument, start, like put you in band, orchestra, choir. And so I thought I was a really smart child, like I was pretty full of myself. (laughs) And so I came home, I told my mom I wanted to play the French horn because in my mind that was the one with the long slide because it was the fancy one. Like, nope none of them have slides. So must be the one with the special name Turns out it was the trombone, and my mom came home with the real French horn. I was like, what is this? I'm not playing this. And then, like, six years later, still playing it, and I wanted to do it professionally. So,
0: Do you want to play in an orchestra? Yes. Oh, cool. Do you go to the orchestra?
1: I do. I just went to a concert a few days ago. It was
0: amazing. (laughs) What, What kind of music do you like?
1: I prefer the romantic era of classical music.
0: Are you going to have trouble finding a school that has both music and rowing?
1: <laughs> Actually, there I not as hard as I thought it it's not as hard as I thought it would have been um because the four big schools I'm looking at have all have professors that I like and they at least two or three of them have good music programs and like they all have D1 rowing, so it's not as hard as I thought. <laughs>
0: I did a really, personally, I did a really lousy job of searching for schools. How did you do the research and get where you wanted to, I mean, and find professors that you were interested in, things like that?
1: Yeah. So up until this year, when I had an existential crisis, I thought that I wanted to go into the sciences and, like, physical therapy and stuff like that, which is why it's my backup major now. But then this year, I was signed up for a full AP load, like, all advanced classes. And, like, halfway through the year, I realized, like, I'm not actually passionate about any of these, like... I'm not doing as well as I thought, like what am I doing here? So I took a step back and like looked at what I'm doing, which is like two other things besides school, um, to see what I'm really passionate about. And I was really passionate about my two extracurriculars, that's music and rowing. So I thought maybe I could go into music performance because I really enjoy doing that. I'm in a local youth orchestra, the Cleveland Orchestra Youth Orchestra, which is how I know I want to be in an orchestra. It's so much fun. I love doing it.
0: Sort of like a Team sport. Yeah, it is. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I assume the existential crisis was having all those AP classes and realizing you weren't interested or was there something else?
1: I like my friend, like I would study health with a few of my friends and like every day I would go in and be like, I literally don't know what I'm doing with my life. And like, I know a lot of high schoolers go through that. It's not fun.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty impressed that you figured it out. It sounds like pretty, pretty quickly as well.
1: Yeah. ah, Not as quickly as I liked I'm still a little hesitant about it, but I feel like the only way I can go into music performance is be confident about it. So that's what I'm going to try and do.
0: Do you have a support crew? It sounds like your friends certainly are supportive. Anybody else?
1: My parents are incredibly supportive of what I do. Like, I wouldn't be able to do anything I do without them, especially my mom, my dad. My brother is very supportive of my rowing. Like, he, he always texts me. He I got him into the rowing. Like, he goes to the University of Cincinnati. He was going in to play rugby. But then he didn't like the guys on the team as much, and I kept telling him you should try rowing, and he did, and he loves it. So he, like, texts me updates, and I text him updates. Um, yeah. And my private teacher is really supportive of what I do on the music side as well as the rowing side. Like, she comes to the local regatta every year. It's, yeah.
0: I want to go back to coaching. I mean, it's pretty impressive to me that you're coaching yourself. Like, how how are you, I don't know, I, I don't know, I don't really know what to ask because I find that in rowing, the coaching was so, such a big part of the rowing that I did. So it's curious to me that you're coaching solo. And so how are you getting input? And has that been important? Or do you feel like you need the input?
1: Yeah, so I started rowing the single sophomore year. And like I said, my coaching, especially on the sculling side, um, has been very touch and go, which is like, there have been some amazing people from the local rowing community who have volunteered to like help like I would go out in the morning and row with them and it was amazing and I got like a training plan from a WRA coach he was my sculling coach for like a few months but then like they're adults with like lives and um like life got in the way which is fine like I totally understand and it's totally okay because like I learned a lot from the pointers they gave me and like um when that started to happen I was like all right I guess I'm gonna have to like start self-coaching and like all this and like I just focused on the pointers that they gave me and like I've been able to like reconnect every so often with one of them.
0: And do you I mean I was a cyclist so we had you know the day that you did long and then and then you had interval day and you had sprint day do you divide your week or your training into things like that?
1: Yeah um in the fall I try to do a lot of steady state work which is like longer pieces like not necessarily low intensity, but like lower intensity with like maybe like one or two days of like shorter, harder work. And then the spring, it's still a fair amount of steady state because steady state is like a really great, it'll help you build a really great aerobic base that you need to build your anaerobic side um, that you really need for spring. But then in the spring, you really increase like the amount of short, hard work you do.
0: And are you doing, um, you know, any yoga or mental training or things like that?
1: Um, I don't do yoga. I'm not very flexible, which I probably should be working on. Um, but it's it,
0: funny every time I ask that question. Everybody who doesn't do yoga says, "Oh, I should be." Yeah, I, I feel like <laughs> I, I feel should the be. Same <laughs> way. Yeah, I feel
1: like I should be at least stretching. But at camp during the week leading up to the competition in Mexico, um, our the quads coach, she shared a really valuable mental training like worksheet kind of. It was a packet on how to like prep yourself mentally and like exercises you can do. And I think, um, I I tried some of them, and like they're pretty helpful. And I think I'm gonna start incorporating them into my daily like racing.
0: Like what? Thing. What yes. what what, what uh, was something good that you took away?
1: Um, Well, one of it was like, kind of like a personal catchphrase, which I kind of used before, but like it kind of like reinforced using it. It's like a short phrase that you can tell yourself to like help you like get through a race or like pump you up for it, like whatever. Mine is give me more, like whether that's pain or like whatever it is, it usually like, that really helps.
0: What's the hardest part for you during the races?
1: I would say not giving up because I mean, this past, this past spring, I raced the single and the four at Midwest, which is two days. And I was in the single and the four. So I had total six races and that's 1500 meters. And none of my other competitors, at least in the single I knew were doing that many races. And I think, especially in the single final when I was just all by myself and like, there were two girls like on either side of me that were like making, like whenever they made moves, I like tried to make moves back and like gain distance back on them. And like, it was, it was very hard not to like give up and be like, you know, second or third wouldn't be too bad. And I guess if I got second, I'd still qualify. But then, like, that fighting spirit of, like, not wanting to lose, like, kicked in. And, like, I just, like, powered through. I don't know. It's something that just, like, I don't know. There's something about it. Just single's hard.
0: (laughs) Uh, Do you pay attention to nutrition?
1: Yes. um, Now more than ever, I think. Well, more so over the years. Like, I used to, like, eat whatever I want. Like, I still kind of do but I started cutting down to like dessert three times a week and like really increasing the amount of protein that I eat, especially during like intense training periods. Um, it's definitely on race days. Like I always eat the same breakfast on race days. It's like high protein, high carb, well not high protein, like moderate protein, like high carbs. Um, Cause carbs are really good before race. Um, what do you eat?
0: What's your race breakfast?
1: Um, a bagel with peanut butter and banana slices <laughs> and milk. Yeah. Oh, and the day before, the night before, I always have pasta because I love carb loading, and carb loading really helps. And like I try to, I love salads, like eating greens isn't really a problem. It's mm-hmm. like making sure I have enough of them around, I think.
0: Right. Do you have any advice for anybody who wants to get into rowing?
1: I think it would be not to give up. Like a lot of it, I think, like I said before, the main reason I love rowing is like trying to find that perfect stroke, like... It gets very frustrating at times and especially if you're like in smaller boats or with other people, other people will <laughs> be very frustrating to um, just like not giving up because it's very rewarding and your hard work will pay off.
0: How do you manage the frustration of being in a boat with somebody who's maybe not doing exactly what you want them to do or what you think they could do or whatever?
1: It's very mentally challenging because I don't want to go off on them because there's not really much they can do to change it or if there is, they're choosing not to. Um, It's it's really hard. I just tell myself, like, I have the single, like, I have other ways, like, there are other boats that, that I can be in that are good, like this isn't the one I'm going to be racing in, stuff like that.
0: You said that your current program at Shaker is not super competitive. I mean, that's going to be really different in college.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, def, I I really think so. Um, if college is – well, if HP camp is anything like college is, then I'm super excited and can't wait because um, I was a little bit afraid, like going to HP camp. I was a little afraid for college because I come from a – super competitive team like um like not I guess the training could be like a lot harder or something like that but like not as hard as other teams um so I was worried that I wouldn't be able to take it since I haven't been used to it and like a lot of other kids from like harder working programs are like not handling college I was like what if I can't handle it but I think if this summer is any indication I think I I'm really excited like I think I can handle it
0: do you think that it's going to, especially your first year, it's going to be sort of a challenge? Because, I mean, right now you're obviously one of the better people on the team, and then you're going to go into this college program where that may not be the case. Do you think that's going to be challenging?
1: Um I would rather be a small fish in a big pond than a big fish in a small pond. Again, I think this summer really helped me see that. I thought I would struggle with that. But then, like, having people around that were faster than me, like, taller than me, which is <laughs> – it's, re- it's really great because it brought out my competitive side. Like I always like I push myself hard on the pieces. It wasn't necessarily easier, but it was easier to push myself um, when a person who is faster and stronger than you is sitting right there next to you rather than having to imagine them being there.
0: Do you see any similarities in sort of how you're approaching music and how you're approaching the rowing?
1: Yeah, there are a lot of similarities I've noticed. And other people have too. Like I went to Craftsbury last summer for two weeks to work on my sculling because I had the goal of being in a quad for the junior national team. And so far it's paid off. Um, (laughs) And one of the coaches there asked me if I played a musical instrument. I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh, that's good. If you didn't, I would recommend that you do. I recommend that to all of my scullers because there's a huge similarity, especially in sculling, like in a single, um, because, well, there's obviously like breathing and like technique and all that but it's like more like the um regimen i think it's like like sitting down like either in the boat or on the practice chair like mentally preparing yourself for like what you're going to do thinking through it and then executing it there's a warm-up the actual work all of that
0: wow that's fascinating yeah (laughs) wow do you get nervous when you perform or when you go out (laughs) rowing
1: (laughs) Not so much in rowing. That kind of went, went away. Freshman year, like, I would get adrenaline and all of that before a race. And that just went away, unfortunately, because adrenaline got me through the races. So these past few years have been a lot more painful. But I, I, I do get pretty bad stage fright, I guess, when I perform. And the last time I performed, I actually got a new symptom of stage fright, dry mouth, which is not fun, especially when you play a wind instrument.
0: Yeah. So how do you deal with the stage fright?
1: Oh, um I... Well, I guess my catchphrase for French horn playing would be you want to perform for them. You want to show off, which is like French horn. Like it's so easy to miss notes and like you're always going to miss notes. So like if you're going to miss notes, you might as well like make it worth it. So I think that's something I try to tell myself. It's definitely hard getting through it just like a race. It's just like keep pushing through even though you make mistakes and like wanting to give up. Just push through it.
0: You mentioned showing off. Sort of what's your opinion about showing off? And
1: I think there are appropriate times for, for showing off, and there are not appropriate times, like times to be respectful.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like you're confident?
1: Um, I think I'm pretty confident in general. Um, I think my, I could play a little bit more confidently at times, but yeah.
0: It's been really nice to have you here, Sophie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. It's been great. Oh, you're welcome. thank you for taking the time to do the follow-up interview because so much has happened since we last talked.
1: Yeah, yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me.
0: Let's start with the Head of the Charles. How did that go and how was training for that?
1: Ooh, um, Head of the Charles has always been a really fun regatta. I've been, this is my third year going. I've been since I was a sophomore. Last year was the first time I raced a single there. So this year was the second time. It's so fun I I don't even know what it is about it but it's so like the racing when you're not racing it's fun just to walk around my first time I I think there were 25 other girls in my race I got seventh so for my first year I was pretty happy with that um and with my (laughs) spotty training I think I was I think I was pretty pleased with that but this year I definitely wanted to medal um and since there were over 30 boats in the race they do they up it from top three, get a medal to top four. And so top four is my goal, like cut three places. And I was able to do that. I got fourth this year and it was just so fun. I think what helped get like those three places back were, um, like actually like, getting the turns right. Cause my, my first year doing it, I was just kind of like, Oh my gosh, like how did the Charles, it's a huge deal. I can't believe I'm here. But this year I think I kind of just like buckled down and was like, got the turns, um, I think I could have pushed myself a little bit harder over the whole race to make up more time, but I was pretty pleased with it.
0: Great. The other thing that has happened, and the main reason that I wanted to have you here, was to talk about uh, choosing a college. Yeah. And I can't remember exactly where you were in the process, but you had sort of started the process. So walk me through what happened since then. And I know that you've just signed with the University of Texas, so talk about that too. Yeah.
1: So I think back when we met, it was like August, end of August. Um, So that's when I was starting to go on my official visits or like just finishing up planning them. And so for me at that point, I was still interested in, I think, four colleges. But like I was seriously interested, um, and I'd already planned most of them. Texas was my top one, and so I made that my first official visit. So just in case anything big happened um, I could cancel all the other ones without like missing a regatta um, so I think my recruiting process is was like a little bit different than everybody else's because their main focus is on the rowing I'm obviously the major but I think the rowing is a little bit more important like for other people just because like a lot of I've noticed a lot of rowers are like science or math majors and a lot of big universities just have good science and math programs but I'm going to be a music performance major and not all colleges um, definitely don't have a good um, music performance school or like music school. Um, So music was definitely a big factor in the decision for me. When I made the big decision to switch from a physical therapy to music major, it cut like 10 colleges (laughs) off my list, which I mean made it easier, but also it also made it harder because like, what Browing school is going to have a good music school? And it's so convenient because Texas did. So I went on for my official visit. It was really awesome. I think I went a few weeks after we met the first time. So September 14th, weekend of September 14th. Uh, I can't remember. I got in and then the morning there was some girls there, uh, some other recruits. Um, and they all took us down to morning practice, got to sit in the launch and watch pair practice, which is really cool. I've only been in a pair once. I was going to ask you that, or do
0: you plan to do pair when you're down there? Yeah, I
1: hope so. I'm actually, I I really want to, because I've only been in a pair once and I think they're a bunch of fun. Um, and then after practice, we met our hosts. Um, we all stayed in a house, not in a dorm with some of the rowers, um, and they took us to a breakfast and they had a panel of rowers answer questions that we had. And then there's so much that happened (laughs) because they have to fit everything. You only have like 48 hours, so they have to fit in as much as possible. Um, And then I think they took us around campus in little golf carts um, and just like showed us around and told us about some stuff. Then we had lunch in the tank. I can't remember what it actually stands for. It's like the Nutritional Center for Athletes, which is amazing. It, they have like such high quality food. It's, uh, I can't wait. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, so the tank is in the stadium where like all the athletes go and they just gave us a tour of the athletic facilities there. So the erg room that they have, which is pretty nice. The weight room for all the athletes, which is also really nice. Um, there's like little Longhorns on everything, <laughs> every single weight. Um, the uh, medical facilities that they have for athletes, like, the stuff they have there is crazy. Like if you get sick and you're just a regular student, like you have to go to the campus doctor, and usually they're not like not so good. But um, athletes can go there instead, and it's like wow, that's
0: fancy. Yeah, <laughs> and they
1: have um, they have like real doctors there, but they also have like students in training there working there with athletes. It's just so cool.
0: And I suspect a full range of physical therapists. And oh all yeah, that stuff like too. I think
1: each team has at least one that like travels with them and stuff, wow. and is like specializes, and so they know all the girls and stuff like that. And then I think they had us meet, like, each of the little groups of families. It was me and my mom that went. They had us meet with the academic advisors to see if we had any questions. But, like, again, because the music process, I don't really... (laughs) We just kind (laughs) of talked about what that would be like. Um,
0: What attracted you to the music department at Texas? Well, what attracted you both to the music department and to the rowing? Like, what's special about each of those things?
1: Yeah, um, so before over the summer before hp camp i went to music camp uh, just like french horn only music camp and it's like up in the same area so it kind of made sense and i met the university of texas horn professor while i was there and it was kind of convenient cuz it was on my list at the time and like i met with him during an open studio and he was so nice and he's awesome he's an amazing player and he's i watched him teach i didn't get the opportunity to actually work with him but I was able to see him teach and I asked him a few questions and he just seems awesome. And then for Texas, when I was down there during the second, the second on the water practice was the morning before we left, it was Sunday morning. I got to sit in the launch with the head coach, coach O'Neill with a few other girls and watch the eights practice. And I think what was so cool was like, I was expecting camaraderie, like, you know, just like, especially with rowing, I think more than other sports, it's, there's more togetherness, but I really wasn't expecting the amount of togetherness I saw on the Texas team. It was just so awesome. Cause like during pieces when they were racing each other, and even though it's early in the season, they're still racing each other as much as they can, like going all out. And they're like, just all of a sudden I heard this one girl like yell out, like go Texas, hook them like to the other boat. And they were just encouraging each other, like the competition during the piece. And then after their erg piece, the day before in the erg room, like immediately after they turned to each other and like gave each other high fives and stuff like that. Like, it was so cool. Just to the amount of camaraderie that the team has. Mm -hmm. It's so exciting.
0: And do you get a sense what the sort of, I guess what the attitude of female sports is there?
1: I feel like every single woman on that team really wants to prove how good they are and how like show how hard they're working and just put it all out there. I really get that got that sense from one like from the official visit.
0: One of the things that struck me was it is a very warm place. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing. I actually really appreciate that they get to row all year round.
0: <laughs> right. It's going to be interesting to see how you react to rowing on the water year round. Yeah.
1: Um. I think it'll be nice. Like everybody will be in like I know like on their Instagram story I've seen them in like leggings and stuff when it's for, like forty or fifty degrees, but it's like <laughs> summer for me so. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. You were in the middle of describing the process of being um, on the recruiting trip. So what happened next?
1: Um, oh, after the advisor meeting, that's the point where they just started taking families off separately to talk with the head coach one-on-one. And then it came time to for my meeting with the head coach. It was, I can't remember how long it was. It was right before the second afternoon rigging practice. And it was just generally like just like sit down talk a little bit because at that point I'd only been talking with the assistant coach and at the end this is in retrospect this is probably a little bit rude but I was I was very excited about going to Texas and I'd gotten an offer at that point and I really wanted to go to Texas it's so expensive for out of state so I I needed money to go there so at the near the end of the visit I was or the meeting with the head coach I said I know I probably shouldn't say this, but how much money would you be able to give me to come here? (laughs) And he laughed and he said, I'll get back to you tomorrow. And then we went to the erging practice and then we went off with our hosts and we had dinner and went to a sushi place. It was really nice. And then we woke up the next day. They had morning practice. We got to eat tacos. The tacos were really good. And then we basically had the afternoon off. So I went to get barbecue with my mom. Again, it was so good. The food there is so good. In the like late afternoon, there's a tailgate party before the football game because the football game is part of the visit. Um, and at the tailgate party, that's when he made the offer, and it kind of sounded like he was expecting me to like go home and like think about it and then accept it. But it was enough money for me to like it's definitely enough money to for me to say yes like on the spot. So I did, and my mom was like, "You should shake his hand, just like make it as official as possible, even though it's a verbal commit." But um, so that's when I committed, and then we went to the football game. It was just a blast.
0: Is that verbal commitment pretty rock solid um, on both sides?
1: Yeah. From what I can tell in rowing, my mom, like as soon as it happened, she was like all over the internet trying to find answers like, how solid is this? Has a college ever backed out? Um, and she hasn't, like at least for rowing, she hasn't found much evidence of either side backing out. Like It's extremely um, unheard of, I think.
0: Right. So you're, have you made any other further commitments other than that verbal commitment?
1: Yeah. Um, National Signing Day, which was last week, I think oh, okay. on Wednesday, is when I officially signed the letter of intent.
0: And did anything happen in between those two dates?
1: No, not really. There were actually some rules after that, that I things I couldn't do. There were only a certain number of times I
0: could contact
1: them in person, like at the Charles or something.
0: Is the coach... At this point, now that you've signed, are they saying you know what you have to do between now and then, and will they give you summer training, and like <laughs> when do you show up?
1: Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, he said that after I committed, he was like, "Don't talk to your coach. I'm your coach now." So <laughs> I think that if I have any questions about what I should be doing, I guess I should ask him. Um, but based on how well my winter went last year, I think I'll try and do the same thing, like pushing myself more, but generally about the same plan. And then we'll see what happens in the summer. Right.
0: One of the things I noticed both in the last conversation and this conversation is that your preparation and training is so smart. I mean, between signing up for the weight training class so that you certainly got more strong, but also so that you sort of prepped yourself for the rigor of college, you know, just starting to skull because you weren't getting what you wanted from the team. And I just wonder, you know, do you have any thoughts about, you know, being a smart athlete versus sort of the stereotypical dumb jock?
1: Yeah, I think the situation of the team combined with how athletic and competitive I think I am as a person kind of forced me to become smart about it. Because if I wanted to be competitive, I couldn't just listen to what my coach told me to do and just like just sit down and work in, in an eight when it's not really as effective as working in the single and like actually working towards a, a goal, like a competitive goal would be, so... I think that's what really made me, th- like, it was my love for rowing and I knew that I wanted to do it later combined with the fact that the team just wasn't, I think, if I just followed what he said, going to prepare me for right. college.
0: Last time we spoke, you mentioned using the idea of an unprepared catch as sort of the basis of your training. Oh, yeah. Uh how is that been going and do you have any new thoughts about that?
1: I think it... So <laughs> I started working that the summer I got back from HV camp because I was a big emphasis in the quad, like a prepared catch. I started working on it like very actively at first. And then I just kind of not forgot about it, but I kind of just focused on like getting more meters in as preparation for the Charles once I got news that my bid had been accepted. And then I noticed in videos, like I have my mom take videos as part of the <laughs> self-coaching, um, and I noticed that my catches had just gotten better even when I hadn't been thinking about it. So I think it I think it has gotten better, and I think my form has gotten a lot better, which I'm pretty proud of.
0: <laughs> How often are you videotaping? Do you do that every day?
1: Not every day. I probably should be doing a little bit more, but I try to have her do it every so often just so I see what I should be doing and I think I've gotten a pretty good idea of what it's supposed to feel like or like what the different changes are supposed to feel like I right. guess.
0: Right. Cool. Do you also watch, you know, videos of other people?
1: Not really. I feel like everybody has a different way, like it's crazy, but there's so many different types of like of ways to row. And obviously there are efficient ones and inefficient ones, but even among the efficient ones there's so many there's so much variation. So I think it's really just finding what works for you mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. what have you gained from being an athlete
1: I think well my mom is always <laughs> my parents have been extremely um they've always pushed me to like teach me to work hard and stuff like that but I feel like being an athlete especially student athlete with the all, like all the work I have to do is what helped reinforce it like, being able to do the same amount of homework as everybody else, but still have, like, a few hours of practice and, like, travel time on top of that. And then also practicing for music. Time management, I think, is a big skill. And then just persistence is a big thing.
0: Well, great. I really appreciate you being here again. Thank you.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. Sure.
0: Well, congratulations on everything that's <laughs> Thank you. Thanks to this week's guest, Sophie Calabrese, and thanks to you for listening. Hear Her Sports was started to increase media coverage of female athletes and women in sport. 44% of athletes are women and only 4% of sports media coverage is about women. That's not a number, it's a rounding error. As women, we're all gonna benefit from speaking way up, telling our stories and listening to stories of incredible women like my sporty adventurous guests. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or through your favorite podcast player and subscribe to the Hear Her Sports newsletter or donate on HearHerSports.com. A big thank you to sponsors Agnes Studio, the band Goldmines, the blog She Rides a Bike, and Leap Strategies. I'll be back in two weeks. Bye bye. Did you do anything else other than running today?
1: Yeah. Um, so this is actually kind of weird, but like nobody really like loves erging. So sometimes as a substitute, I'll do. Backwards walking on the treadmill when it's at max incline for like a long time, like 30 minutes at a time. And like, I I think it works just about the same muscle groups. So. Oh, really? Yeah, it feels like it. So, wow. and it's cardio too. So, I'm gonna, I'm I, I sometimes do that. Do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, good. So, not a rest day, I guess.
1: No, no. Sundays are my rest day. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. And do you take full off on Sundays? Yeah. Yeah.